Well, hello, my TWN army. Welcome to Theatre World News, chasing up the latest gossip so you don't have to. I am your host, your day one, your buddy, Jonathan Blake, and haha, we have a lot planned for you today. In this episode, we will be talking about directing, and I'm excited because I feel like I am going to be taken to school today, baby. I'm going to be taught many great things because I will eventually want to direct and it would be great to take some advice of some very talented knowledgeable people and this episode we have a special guest and I am super excited to speak to her so you know what I'm gonna cut the bullshit and I'm just gonna go straight to it because I'm sure you are as excited as I am let's go and now I'd like to introduce Heather Bustin, hello, how are you doing? Hi John, yeah, doing well. How are you, uh, how are you feeling about uh, doing this um, podcasting? I was absolutely fine until you pressed record. <laughs> <laughs> I know my heart is in my mouth. Honestly, I've gone all sweaty. <laughs> it's a good job this isn't a video. Um, yeah. No, I'm excited though. It's a it's a good topic. And you know what, I always, I've always said to myself that when I started this podcast, it would actually be good to speak to people as well and because it's good to get a conversation flowing and it's good to like um, hear different people's points of views apart from my own <laughs> um, so one thing that, that I that I always ask um, guests on this show is what's your theatre experience so um, in your own time if you'd like to just uh, take it away and let me know a bit about yourself okay so I first went on stage at the Ripod age of two in a dancing show um, nice, nice. and my favourite memory, well not a memory but the story that comes alongside that is I actually had an accident prior to going on stage in a performance so they just whipped my knickers off and I just went on stage <laughs> with only knickers so that was two so um started quite early but I was born into a into a musical theatre family and I didn't realise that the people didn't do this but the whole of my mum's side perform so they do amateur theatre um from the point of making sets, directing, selling tickets, making costumes and performing. So I grew up seeing a whole side of my family perform. Yeah, um, yeah. And my mum performs. Um, so I grew up sitting in the back of her rehearsals. Um, and It must have been so nice to kind of like sit at a young age, kind of see your mum do shows and, and be involved straight away. Because it must have been quite overwhelming at times, seeing all these costumes and music and everything going on. But so fun as well. I just thought it was normal. I genuinely <laughs> thought it's what everybody's childhood was. So yeah. you'd be in my house and there'd be piles of red leather thongs that my mum had brought home to wash, <laughs> having costumed for Monty. Or she'd be wearing some hats and some wigs. Or one of my earliest memories is me and my little sister Sarah learning the steps and the dance moves to wash that man out right out of my hair from South yeah. Pacific that my mum was in. We knew the whole routine with a towel. So I, I just thought it's what people did. And I remember sitting in a theatre, falling asleep on the stairwell, watching a oh, Gilbert and Sullivan, but yeah. that's because it's Gilbert and Sullivan. No one should yeah, be made to watch yeah, that. It's a bit, bit boring, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that sort of stuff, yeah. Um, so I, I, I grew up in a theatre family um, and was itching to get on stage so performed all through primary school obviously was Mary um, of course <laughs> did, yeah. um, did all the shows at school and then joined local theatre groups so I joined the Litchford Youth Theatre Litchford Operatic Society um, I also while I was at school did stage management and performed in the orchestra too oh, okay. so yeah. I've, I've been off and on stage and then at uni performed and then when I moved down to Marlow down south joined a local group and the one thing that I always remember from watching my mum is seeing that family that you get from being in a theatre mm. and it was the yeah. first thing I did when I moved to a brand new area was where's the local theatre group I have to join I need friends I, I need a local family. It's, it's, a really, it's a really good way to make friends and to kind of build your own confidence as well. Absolutely. I, I get that from um, being in so many th- like I mean, pe- people call me um, a society whore just because <laughs> I enjoy. I just, I just enjoy do like joining new companies and just meeting new people. So yeah. I completely understand where you're coming from with that. Whereas I'm the complete opposite. I just, I've just stuck with one group for twelve years now. Just, I've, I've lived and breathed this group loyal, down in Marlow. Oh, to the end. Absolutely, ended up becoming the chair when I was twenty-two, <sighs> um, and did that for seven years. Um, 
and then I, I was lead roles in that society for quite a number of shows mm. and it got to 2014 and I was like oh, I think I need to do something different like I'm enjoying being on stage but let's give some other people a chance <laughs> but so you use <laughs> a, so a bit of a, a big fish then oh well <laughs> the thing is with um, the, the group I'm in and Marlo it's an amazing society but it was very small when I joined and it's been growing over the years. So as new people came in, obviously the competition came in and I was a bit like, oh, <laughs> they're a bit better yeah. than me. I'll jump off stage. So I, I directed my first show in 2014 yeah. and actually haven't been back on stage since I've stayed I've stayed off stage. Any particular reason? Is it because maybe it's not the right show you want to perform in yet? Or is it just that your choice to just continue directing? Um, we managed to get rights for a good number of shows off the back of doing Legally Blonde in 2014. Yeah. And I just kept going, oh no, actually I have to direct this one. I don't want anyone to mess this up. <laughs> I took a year off, I think it was 2017, and they did Return to Forbidden Planet. I could have gone on stage, but mm. actually I just stepped down as being chair and I thought I'm just gonna have a year completely just, yeah. not on stage. And then we got the rights to Chicago last year and I was yeah. like, yeah, like I came to see that and it was a wonderful, it was a brilliant show. Chicago is, it's a classic and it, it could be done wrong. And so in a way, it's kind of like treading on eggshells with that show because it can be done wrong, but you actually did an excellent job. So Thank you. Well, do, well done for that. And it's mad. It was exactly a year ago that it was our show week. Yeah, so we managed was, yeah. to fit the show in the week before pretty much the world went into well, lockdown. Yeah. And I remember during the show week, we'd started getting, trying to get like some hand sanitizer and some wipes. We were like, maybe we need to ask the audience to have sanitize their <laughs> hands. It's mad now to think there was like hundreds of people in a room yeah. But luckily, yeah. there was actually nothing came off the back of it. There was no COVID cases or anything, so we were so lucky. But that was a year ago. Mad. It, and think of how much has changed since then. And how many theatres have been closed and been sitting in darkness. And, like, you kind of... In a way, you kind of have to, like, count your blessings that, that, like, that this year they could actually open now. Yeah. And I have to admit, we were getting very scared because having spent six months creating a production, the thought of having to pull it, and there were some local groups around us that were due to perform the week later. Okay, so they'd yeah. done six months of rehearsals, they'd have put all that money and time effort to then not have an opportunity to show that to people. We were just oh, so lucky that we actually got to show what we'd made to an audience and financially benefit from it, so we, we could break even, or as close as you can in amateur. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it, it's it's mad, and my Twitter is full of people in the theatre world at the minute they are out of jobs, they aren't eligible yeah. for grants. It's just heartbreaking. But it as is. you say, I, I just saw on um, Facebook, uh, in Denmark, they've just started opening Waitress. So oh, okay. yeah. the shows are coming back. It, it's coming, Andrew Lloyd Webber's got his shows opening in the summer, there's, there's stuff coming. So. And it automatically puts me in a better mood oh. i think since um boris i love you boris made the announcement there <laughs> um that the theaters could open in may i've automatically felt like a happier person yeah. just knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel yeah. it, it it's just enough to keep me going because it's what keeps me going in my normal life when i go to i go to work i think about shows as soon as work's done I go to rehearsals yeah. and that's the thing that I really want to do. Yeah. So I'm glad that, that it is coming back. So is there anything else that you'd like to let um, the listeners know about yourself? Or should we just go straight into it? Let's get going. Let's go straight into <laughs> it then. Now, I've got a few questions that um, okay. I have um, down on my phone. And I'll just pretty much start from the top. And I'll say, well, I know that um, I haven't directed um, a musical before, but I will eventually like to give it a try. What What would be the first thing that I would need to kind of organise as a director? Oh, like what would be the first thing I need to be? Okay, let's work this out, and then we can get the ball rolling. So the way I start with any show is I just I get through the script. So okay. I just look straight through the script, and I get to know it as quickly as possible. So where are the big numbers where mm. is the stuff that's going to take time what's going to need loads of people okay yeah and i tend to start by i'm, I'm a spreadsheet geek anyone who works with me will be <laughs> sick of the amount of excel documents i send them but i go through each scene i'm like who's needed 
are they singing, are they dancing, are they acting? So that I've got yeah. then like a, a hot sheet of where everyone's needed. And then I just start working with the choreographer and the MD to be like, right, where do you think most time's gonna be needed? What do you wanna start with? And we start to build out sort of like a, a plan of, right, we know this song's gonna take X number of weeks. We know this scene's gonna take X number of weeks. And I get those done first. Okay. Because there's nothing worse. And I think having a performance background as well, you know what you hate. And it's when the director goes, right, we've got three weeks until the show comes up. Let's do the big number now and you haven't got time to re rehearse it. And I think- do, do, do you ever feel that sometimes when you do the big numbers at the beginning of rehearsals, that by the time you get to the end of the show, people are sick of it? <laughs> yes. Because you've gone through so, so much. Absolutely. Like. <laughs> but they are polished. Yeah. And yeah. I, yes, you might be a bit sick of it. And I'm always that director that's like, okay, that was at 50% energy. I now want it at 75% energy. I yeah. want it at 100% energy. And people, the energy shifts the minute there's an audience. I always know that you get an extra 10, 20% from people when they're performing. Um, but yes, people always like, do we really have to do this number again? But equally, sometimes they're asking to do it even more because it's complicated or they've not quite got it right. Or And in amateur world, people are always missing. It, yeah. Oh, it's oh. one of my biggest bugbears, oh, people you know, not. Yeah. And I, sometimes I think the professional world have got it. You'd rehearse something for two, three weeks, every single day, you live and breathe it, and you perform yeah, it. solid three weeks, like every day, do the number. and. Um, I guess in the professional world, you turn up, you're there to do a job, they're getting paid, so they, they automatically have that professional mindset. Whereas with amateur, we, we do it for all different reasons, don't Absolutely. we? Absolutely, but it's the preparation as well. There's, <laughs> I, I can't stand it when people haven't read a script, haven't listened to the music, <laughs> walk in and go, I don't even know the show. I'm like, what? It's, it's everywhere. But. So going back to your question, I always just start with the, the schedule. So ha and schedule, I yeah. try and make sure I don't waste people's time. I've been there, I've sat in rehearsals, you're there to say one line, you're there to walk on and walk off stage. What a waste of time it is to go to a rehearsal course, for three hours. Yeah, yeah. So I try and look at the parts, I say, right, this character is in these five scenes, let's put all of those into one rehearsal, and it, it goes out from there. Oh, sweet. Because, um, like, I mean, it, it's a good place to start, um, and I guess, one thing that I probably struggle with is like the kind of whole organisation of making sure everything um, flows. I'm a little bit unorthodox with that sort of thing, but I will make a note of that. Um, I, I think the, the key to any decent director is somebody who knows, has a plan. There's nothing worse than a director than just rocking up and saying, oh, you know oh, what, what, let's, doing let's yeah. do act two, scene four today. And then you sit there going, we actually did this three weeks ago. And they're not keeping on top of what they've done. And I also think you need to be ahead of yourself. So I, um, I block as much as I can of a show. I don't block what I want the characters to do in the scene, but I block where they need to come on and off logistics and things yeah. like that. But I try and get a number of scenes ahead. So if the rehearsal's going well, we can move on to the next scene and not be wasting time. I like to get ahead of my schedule. I, I always I always tell myself that um, I think the moment I direct a musical, I'll probably be more of a artistic director. Yeah. And then um, Vanessa can yeah. be the organizer. And, Absolutely. And, um, kind of like put together a spreadsheet because she loves spreadsheets yeah. as well. It, mu it must be a Morgan a Morgan thing. Organization. <laughs> it's, it's the way I'm not afraid to say that. But uh, when I did Legally Blonde, I had an assistant director yeah, and, and that was amazing to have so and I kind of said to them can you think about props and costumes it's kind of what a producer does but at the time I was a director producer and it was we, we split the jobs up That's and good, then yeah. that person actually then moved to be a producer for future shows so it meant I could give away quite a lot of the different jobs and only really focus on what's on stage on, on the on the on the actual art on absolutely the art. um so yeah so following on the next question I have written down is what show would you like to direct oh given a chance I literally sat with an a to z of musicals because I knew <laughs> this question was coming um <laughs> Couple of shows spring to mind. And interestingly, my previous choices have been very limited by venues or budgets. Yeah. But if, if that didn't matter, I'd love to do Little Shop of Horrors. Working yeah. with puppets and it's actually not a very big cast. So thinking about no, how you it? can and how do you portray the plant, you bring them I saw it recently and they had this incredible drag queen who was on stage as the plant. Oh, interesting. Where I've seen it before yeah. with the plant voice being up on scaffolding or off stage or video projected. So 
there's so many different ways you could that is true yeah you could and, use a puppet or you could you could actually just build a plant with set within set and absolutely stuff like and, that. And, and the one with the drag queen they had people being the tentacles it was at the regent's park open air theater it was incredible that's very artsy though oh you know very artsy <laughs> people as uh you know <laughs> tentacles. As tentacles um so i'd like to do that one i think also i'd quite like to be the plant but i have a strict rule if i'm directing i'm not on stage or okay. in it Some because people do that yeah. i know and i i think as a performer i so for performers show week is the best week ever because it's what you've been working for and you get to show it as you feel a like a star don't you yeah the week as a director i actually get major fomo because i'm not <laughs> backstage really i'm not getting the same energy of the audience under the lights and mm. it's really weird because I love almost the build-up, and then when it comes to show, we come like, oh, it's over. You just you just sit and watch your And you can't do creation. anything. Yeah. And if it goes wrong, you're sitting there watching it tumble apart. <laughs> if it's going well, <laughs> you're cheerleading, and, and it's, it's amazing. But So I'd have to be pros thinking about... Pro, basically, that there are pros. And then the yeah. other one, which is probably a bit of a pitch to my local theatre group, is I'd love to do Rock of Ages. The rights are a bit hit and miss. They keep coming and going, but... I'd like to do show. it as an immersive experience. So set up a bar so the audience are coming to a greasy, grimy bar. Oh, You've got the cast cool. in and amongst them and you kind of do it. I'd almost have it as two stages at each end and the audience sitting in like a catwalk. So I've got a few ideas. We basically had the rights for it a few years ago. So I started planning <gasps> it and then Seriously? we didn't sign the contract in time and then a tour started. <sighs> so we lost them. Um, okay. So I started planning it and then stopped Um Although there is also a part in there I'd there love to. <laughs> it, oh, I mean, it's a it's a great it's a great show and the film's great as well. Yeah. Um, great cast. Yeah. Great songs. But who'd have thought Tom Cruise? Would it is Tom such, Cruise, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would be such a great singer. Bizarre. Then. No, I love that show. Then. And Alec, Alec Baldwin and, and Russell Brand <laughs> singing singing their hearts out to one another. And... It shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> but it does. <laughs> Yeah, it re- it really does. I mean, two great shows. Anything else before we uh, move on? Or are you happy to stop there? I liked the one you said offline, but I'm not going to steal it. You can share it if you want. The one you said you'd like yeah. to direct. Well, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, attention to flipping it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's fine. I did say um, a musical that I'd love to direct is West Side Story. Um, partly because... I have performed in West Side Story. I've gone to see West Side Story. It's one of my favourite musicals. And I truly believe that because I know so much about it, I'd be able to know what looks good, what looks bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a choreographer, so I would need someone. Mm. And I think with West Side Story, it is so strong. You need need the dancing to be so strong. I would need the choreographer to be equally as 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 strong and equally as um um passionate you almost as, might as need them to assistant direct with you because the the choreography links into the scene so much i did yeah. west side story with literal youth theater and i played louis no, <laughs> he was a okay. boy i was like 14 he was one of the sharks i was oh. so embarrassed i was cast as a boy but it it you know, was so good but in, you know what in in the uh shakespearean world um men played played women as well yeah. and i i think that's what's quite beautiful about art is um as long as you trust your audience to use their imagination yeah. you can extend that that disbelief yeah and they will still they'll eat it all up and still yeah. enjoy it there's so. always an issue with men that i have to admit that's something that's plagued casting for me is where i am down south we don't have enough men interested in musical theatre. I don't think we have enough men anywhere. No, although I would say, literally operatic, when I came to see South Pacific, oh my God, there was a huge male chorus. And That's true. I think true. having gone from that society to then a much smaller, more local type one, it was it was a big shock to be like, where are the, where are the men? What are they doing? But um, the South is a lot of rowing and rugby, so I think there's oh, a lot okay. of sport. And there's a lot of other competing societies. But that's always a challenge when you're casting, is like... You have to think about well, if I've cast this bloke as a principal, how do I then match the female opposition to it? it? And because sometimes you've got a limited pool of men, it can really change what you're casting in the female roles because you've yeah. got to make sure it matches. Yeah, exactly. I mean, did you get the chance to see um, 
Sutton's Made in Dagnum. Yes, all. yes, it did. Yeah, that was the show that I felt had so many men on yeah. stage. That that opening number, Made in Dagnum, title song, and I think there were 12, 13, yeah. 13 men all on stage singing at the same yeah. time. And the it, it automatically lifted your spirits it's because powerful. it... It, it, there is a cry out for men. Yeah. And if you're listening to this podcast, yeah. Yes. And you, there's part of you that wants to do a show and you haven't done a show before, please sign up. Yeah. That there are, there's so many societies out there that are, um, that are calling out for men. So don't be afraid. We do not bite unless you ask us to. Okay. And if you're single, showmance. It's, uh, it's the so way forward. There, there, are, there, <laughs> there are plenty of showmances. <laughs> Um, like I said in the previous podcast, I met I met Vanessa backstage of Hairspray. It will happen if you believe. Right. Now, so, yeah, we'll move on to the next question. Okay. Um, what would be your favourite part to actually play? Ooh. In a show. <laughs> well, I always wanted to play a principal boy in Panto. So literally used to have an amazing panto company and I used to go and watch it every year and I just wanted to be the, the principal boy. I think it's I've got amazing thighs that you can slap. I just <laughs> thought the costumes were amazing and I just, that was something I always wanted to do. I don't know whether life's passed me by now. You don't see many societies casting principal men now, uh, principal boys. It seems to be they get men in for the male parts, which is fine. So that was the one. But yeah. actual musical theatre, Miss Hannigan is a role I'd love to... I don't know, I'm probably too young. I'm 33. It might be one for the future, but I have seen it done with slightly younger women. Mm. That It's just grimy, and it would be so it opposite. It's so opposite to who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not an alcoholic. Um, I think I've played a lot of like squeaky clean girl next door roles. Yeah. That would be lovely to play something nasty. Um, and I'd love to play Nancy in Oliver. Oh, I yeah, just, great part. Oh, Great I, want, song. I want the red dress. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to give something where you just have that moment to just belt and just have that stage to yourself. That would, and I think with Nancy, that could be a part, you could play at quite a few different ages. It's She's yeah, often a more it's mature a, woman. It's a very, um, it's an open kind of role where it's not tied to an age. Um, no, it depends it, how old your bill is as well. So yeah, they're probably my... My two. I no, I mean a great part, and of course, it's a part that anyone who knows musical theatre will will know. Yeah. So it, classics. It, it is a very classic. Um, the next question I've got, then, it might not be in the same order what of what um you have, but what is the main? What would you say is the main do's and don'ts as as, as, as director. director? Would you say? Because everyone has their own style, but yeah. what would be the main thing you'd be like, no, please don't do that, because that will <laughs> just ruin the show. So I think for do's, it's know your show. Yeah. So know it. Go out and see as many alternatives. Go out and watch originals. Like, like know it. My cast always joke I'm the, the understudy for every single part, but it's because <laughs> I know the show. Yeah. So I can just step in and not like the limelight. But don't copy yeah. So make it your own. But equally, don't change things for the sake of changing it. So I, I saw Grease Lightning, uh, not Grease Lightning, I saw Grease once and they changed the movements to Grease Lightning. So oh, it didn't have the standard that. arm across, up in an L. And it was Arlene Phillips that choreographed it. She completely changed it. And I was like, that's a classic move that everyone expects. You don't do that, man. No. You it's don't a, do that. It's the same with costumes. If you expect the character to wear a certain costume, do it because I think audience have expectations and whilst artistic license is good it's it's, it's like it's like making alphabet purple or something yeah you just wouldn't do it would you and there's obviously a lot is written in text and a lot of shows come with costume plots and all that type of stuff but don't completely carbon copy add your own spins to it the venue and the cast will dictate that but equally stick to what's good and, and it's the same with them um, i hate it when directors play for jokes so they stick goofy costumes on people like fake teeth, fake glasses to play for laughs. Mm. I think if a lib is good enough, the audience will laugh. Of course. Good writing. You, you, yeah. don't, you, you don't need to play up. And 
I think it then adds a lot more maturity to the piece of of doing that. Yeah, and and um, yeah, the, 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 I think what makes a good show, what makes a good comedic musical, is when you do have serious moments. Yeah. If you're trying to be funny all the time, yeah, it's not. It can actually go against you. Absolutely. I just so. think it looks amateur as well when you see people playing for the laugh i'm like a funny person is just funny and the, the lib just allows it to come through the same when you then think about set don't overcomplicate it sometimes you don't need set you could use a projection you could just let the audience yeah. use their imagination i'm a big fan of black box productions where it's come from away oh my god that changed my mind on how to create because it's just chairs chairs and tables and and when I did Legally Blonde in 2014 we were working in a theatre that had tiny wings no access to bring in any proper set mm. and I did it with six benches just wooden benches um, and some blocks and we used projection um, and it was amazing to see how people were all of a sudden imagining Harvard University and it was just a desk and a chair um so and, and, and that that again that is the it, it's also the the skills of the director and also the imagination of the audience and i think in today's world the audiences are that their imaginations are really really good and they understand kind of um the arto type of um out there kind of performances where you don't need like when you when you look at the big shows before like um south pacific i don't know the mm. producers um that needed big grand sets yeah. you don't need that anymore i don't think to tell the same story because no. people already Im imagine it in their heads it's expensive though as well of like course. oh my god i got a quote for the theatrics set of legally blonde and i was like that is our entire show budget <laughs> that is that is it gone on set and yeah. i've been in shows where your wings are full of set and no one can move, move and you no. get injured because you're running into things and i just think sometimes i hate a clunky scene change so another do for me is I try and build all scene changes into the movement of the piece. So you should never see a stage crew come on. It should be just seamlessly transitioning with cast moving things. And, and now there's nothing there's nothing wrong with but a performer moving the table and chair onto the set whilst probably saying their first line. Yeah. I honestly think that the audiences forgive that. They don't have any problems with that at all. Or even just having other characters so I use the chorus a lot for this to just it just sort of swirls and all of a sudden you're in the next scene and people don't realise it's happened because you've put a piece of choreography in front of it yeah and, and, and another do, do is you've got to plan a show with your creatives so a director cannot create it by themselves so yeah. you've got it's to a joint effort absolutely and you've got to sit with your creatives and say right what is your idea for this and I, I've seen so many shows where um there's a dance happens and then the scene carries on and it doesn't link the, the they're in lines there mm. there's so many people on stage and it's like what is going on this doesn't make any sense so working with the choreographer to say i need this actor to end in this point can we build that into the choreography it just builds it out nicely yeah and it, it does flow and the more that it can flow you can also save time on the show as well yeah. um you find that some musicals they feel like they drag because of the scene yeah. changes as well and, so and one more don't because I, I could probably go, i could go on for hours on do's and don'ts is <laughs> i often put a cap on the number of people on stage in a scene yeah and in a cast full stop. And it's a really heartbreaking thing to have to do to turn around to say, I'm really sorry. Can't I either would like that. you to be yeah. in an offstage chorus or we just don't have enough parts for you in this show mm. or I need less people on stage. Um, I, but for amateur in particular, you want to give opportunity to everybody, but you don't need 50 people on stage of course not. for a yeah. piece. And I've, I've seen a couple of shows where they've just piled everyone on and it's like, oh my God. Why are there 50 people and in this one scene? And they can't even do the dance routine properly because they're, they're worried they're going to smack the person next to them and, and it, things like that. And it like just doesn't and... make sense. So you've got 50 bums walking on in the middle of Eddie's strip number in Sister Act. And it's like, <laughs> I think I had four, like, because it needed the space to allow Eddie to shine. Like, you've seen people... So I think be really strict with the number of people on stage because when you go to see a professional show, yeah. 
it's really stripped back and don't be afraid to use swing parts so giving one person three or four parts yeah I, to build I'm, it out i agree with you on that um giving people swing parts understudies um even even giving someone maybe um one of the evenings in the week yeah um because in today's world where with covid around yeah. people being ill um i think it's actually quite a risk to just cast one person as a part now. Yeah. I, I actually think it'd be pretty good to um, cast people and, and give them an understudy. That happened to me, though. When I played Ariel in Footloose, I was in an ambulance, I think it was three weeks before the show was oh dear. due, and I was sitting in the ambulance going, if you do have to operate, will I be allowed to be on stage in three weeks? <laughs> exactly. Because I'm in Footloose, and I'm playing my biggest part to date, and I don't want to miss it. <laughs> I remember Faye the director oh. being like, I can't come to rehearsals. And he was like, where are you? And I sent a picture of me in an ambulance. <gasps> I, I was fine. Spoiler alert, it was all fine. But it absolutely, and it happened in when I was doing Sister Act. Ah, uh, Mary Patrick? No, one of the Marys. They were all called Mary. She was really poorly leading up to it. And it was touch okay. and go like three days before the show, whether she was actually going to come. It got to a point where I was actually looking at costumes for me to have to go on, which oh. was a bit stressful. Yeah. And that, and I, I remember when, um, in Hairspray, our leading lady, um, f- felt really unwell yeah. the, um, the week before. And our director, um, Sally Baxter, um, at one point was like going through the script and was going to sing each number from the pit yeah and at whilst um the the leading lady mimed and it would it was it i mean you do what you got to do the show must go on absolutely the show must go on um but it would have been very it, it would have been sad it yeah. would have been quite sad for that to happen um so the, the next question i had was um directing styles but i believe we've probably covered what what kind of style you like to do the only thing i'd add is I hate it when a director tells you what to do line by line. So mm. when I direct, you tend to get, I'll start, we'll just block it. I say, I need you to come on stage left, front or back, upstage, downstage. Yeah. I need you to have moved this chair by this line. But then I tend to just let the scene flow. And I just say to the actors, show me what you can do. And then most of it I'm like brilliant let's move on that's spot on sometimes I'm like actually that was too angry or I need you to cheat it this way or I need you to do that but I just hate it when a director says right for this line I want you to do it really um quietly and then this line I want to be loud and angry and it's like the text tells you what to do yeah and and it's so much to think about for a a performer at once it's 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 quite overwhelming and you want an authentic style so i want people to feel comfortable with what they're doing and i've had sometimes actors completely ignore what i've asked them to do yeah A, a classic is in um legally blonde so much better there's the bit where she has to orgasm in the middle of the song mm. and we we discussed it this is how we wanted it but the character felt really uncomfortable doing it in that way okay so she did something completely different on the opening night. And I remember being like, why did we spend six months doing it this way for you to change it? And I sort of had a bit of a chat with her and she was like, I just can't do it that way. I need." And she ended up doing it like taking the piss out of how a bloke would, <laughs> which was really funny and the audience <laughs> loved it. And it was something I'd never thought of. And I thought actually, rather than getting annoyed and being like, you're ruining it. I was mm. like, this works, fine. I, I can let and that I, one bit go. I guess that's the the, the difficulties um, as a director. You have your vision, and then all of a sudden, uh, curveballs thrown in, yeah. and you're like, I, I, I didn't I didn't ever see it that way. But if the audience still enjoy it, then yeah. you can forgive them. Absolutely. Um, oh, but one of my biggest rules is I hate on stage pranks. So for me, an audience member is paid to come see a show for you to do it as professionally as possible. Of course, yeah. And yes, as a cast, you get bored because you've done the same thing six months over and over. And show week, you get a bit naughty. You've maybe had a few drinks before you go on stage or last night you want to do something to send the show off. But I just hate it when people mess with it. It's like, no, I want you to do this the way we rehearsed. And you know what? And that always gets associated with... Um, with amateur societies unfortunately you know what I almost can forgive it when people um, you know if there's a scene in a show where um, 
for example, some lines are improvised. Yeah. If there's a if there's an improvised joke yes. in a section of a show, absolutely. Like um like Spamalot, for example, when I was um me me <laughs> when I was singing a different song each <laughs> night, that no matter which night I do whatever song I'd done, it still was relevant for the show, yeah. and that that's fine for you yeah. to do. But when someone I don't know puts weights or something stage weights in someone's um prop bag. Yeah. And things like that that can hinder their performance yeah then that's and, cruel and anybody can get thrown and i think there are some performers that know their role know exactly how it's meant to be done and if all of a sudden a different lines thrown to them or something looks different or someone's in a different place or they're wearing something different it can throw them and they can corpse of course and, oh my god i've seen an actor corpse before <sighs> and it's a shame you, you feel, just sit there you and you're like there's nothing and there wasn't prompt and you're just sitting there going, oh my God, somebody saved them. So I just don't think it's fair. We've done, like, Legally Blonde, it was St. Patrick's Day on one of the nights. So mm. the cast all wore something green for the Irish dance number. That was fine, but it was getting close because I was a bit like, yeah. I've costumed this in a specific way. Yeah. Don't mess it up. And, and our show always clashes. Well, not clashes, but is the same week as Red Nose Day. Comic okay. relief. So we'll often do collections. We might do a shout out at the end of a show. And one year, it was when we did Footloose, we did a bit where people had like, please donate on their bums and they flipped their skirts and it said it. That was fine, but it was a split second and then that was it. But everybody was in on it and everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah, so you didn't throw anyone off. And, and that's the thing. If the if the cast know that it's going to happen, it won't throw anyone off. Mm. But it's some, yeah, some people have really bombed on stage because just because someone's put a prank on them and that's quite unfair. And it's it? hilarious. I, I did Bugsy Malone at high school and everybody on the last night wanted to use loads more squirty cream and shaving foam for the splurge, splurge guns, splat guns, I can't know what they're called. And they did it, and I remember being really cross because I was Tallulah and my dress was hired. <laughs> I was like, if anybody gets this cream on my dress, you're all in trouble. But then it got dangerous and people were slipping, and yeah, for the I'm, cast yeah. it was hilarious. But for the audience, they were like, what the hell is going on on stage? Couldn't see anything for shaving foam. Pretty much no man's land, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it, um, at that point? Um, <laughs> but, it, yeah, you're right. I think it, it, it it's definitely... Um, not nice to kind of do on stage pranks but um if everyone's in on the joke it's fine um if it, so what we'll do is we'll move on to the next question we have covered um scheduling do's and don'ts directing styles um but one thing i one question i forgot to ask you was um what's the favorite part that you actually played to date so I, I actually loved playing Tallulah in Bugsy Malone. Okay, yeah. That was brilliant. Um, I think I was like year 11. Um, it was just, a, it's a great sassy part, amazing costumes, lovely songs. So that was good. And then I also loved playing Ariel in Footloose. And I think because I'm not like Ariel, mm. <laughs> I'm not that confident. And there was this one, the girl gets around song and I'm there in denim hot pants, red cowboy boots, having to basically pole dance on stage <laughs> with no direction. The director was just like, just, yeah. they were like, just go for it. Um, and at the time, I'd only been working at my company for about 18 months. They'd never seen me on stage. And that was the first thing they came. I had to kiss like loads of different blokes. I had to do this pole <laughs> dance. And I was just like, oh, this is the deep end. This, let's go yeah, for it. And yeah, I think yeah. when you let yourself go, that's when you can create something amazing. And and I think you kind of have to tell yourself that when you're on stage, you are you are playing someone else. You're yeah. not playing yourself. So in a way, you can kind of um, just let go of your inhibitions. Yeah. And really... Oh, can I add one more? Yeah, I just course. thought of another one. Of I did. Course. I played Nicky Wade in Bad Girls, yeah. um, which isn't a very well-known musical, but it's amazing if you've got a group of women because it's 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 set in a female prison. And I played the mm, kind of the lead. Other people in there would be like, it wasn't the lead, but let's say it was the lead. <laughs> um, it got it got like the last bow. Um, but she falls in love with the female prison officer. Okay. So that was amazing to explore a different romance. Of course, um, yeah. And have a different type of kiss. Um, yeah. I think I've actually kissed more people on stage than I have off stage. <laughs> See, <laughs> Which and is this, really this, weird. Is, this is why uh, you joined theatre, guys. Um, <laughs> this is another Absolutely. reason why all you singletons out there... Uh, <laughs> Want to join a show? Want to fancy a cheeky kiss or someone? And I'll have um, to admit, my husband's not been one of them, even though he's been in shows with me. 
Not kissed him on stage. <laughs> oh, I know the joys, the joys. I don't. I've no, I haven't. I haven't done a show where I've kissed Vanessa either. So, still to come. Still to come. Still to come. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, I'll be doing shows till I'm OAP. So, yeah. Um, it, it will happen at some point. Hopefully, um, thank God. Um, so what? One question I'm curious about is. Um, what's what's been the most awkward time for you? Um, like a moment where you've been directing someone, and no matter what you've done, they will not listen. Do you, has there been moments where you've had to just kind of hold your tongue and just let it slide because of how awkward they're being with you? <laughs> I think I've been very lucky that on stage. I've had a great relationship with people. We've respected one another and they've we've we've worked together well. Off stage, mm. I've struggled. So maybe with the tech team, um I <laughs> comes to the organization, I tend to sit down with the tech team and go through it line by line, page by page and say this is what I think we need in this scene. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I've had it completely ignored. I've had them do something completely different. I've had tech not work and there's nothing worse than creating something for six months and then show week mics don't work mic cues are missed mm. people are not spotlit even though you've spoken about it and they're in the place that you like that's heartbreaking because it can be ruined by a tech team not respecting the research or the planning that you've done or not listening yeah and i've said previously on the podcast that um there's a lot of people that don't, that don't actually appreciate um, backstage crew and theatre yeah. crew. But then um, at the same time, there's a lot of backstage crew that don't respect performers. No. And they're, they're just there to, to do a job. I know a lot of people do it voluntary. So yeah. to, those, to those saints, I love Absolutely. you Absolutely. And I think all. sometimes maybe people are out of their depth. Like when we did Legally Blonde, oh my God, the mic plot was impossible. Yeah. I think we only had budget for like... 15 mics that we had to split across a cast of 30 and it was all there was a lot of changes and mics and I could see the guy really trying his hardest but he was two beats behind the song so lines oh. are coming in and then it's not happening and projections not being turned on the way it could and and, and the guy at the time was very young so that's fine um but equally I've worked with some amazing tech teams that have come up with some really unique ideas and they've come to me and said I know you asked for this yeah but we think this is better and I'm like oh my god yeah that's 10 times better than I ever expected yeah, there's nothing and, wrong with constructive criticism yeah, so, um but yeah that's difficult and I think not that they've not done what I've asked, but probably a really awkward directing experience was I ended up directing someone who had directed me and I really mm. respected them as a director and thought yeah. they were incredible. Yeah. And then they came in to play a part in my show and I just froze. I and I did the basic blocking with them and then everything they did, I was like, wonderful, brilliant. Yeah, you, you just keep doing it that way. And I just couldn't. I don't know. There was just. Some, I think I respected them too much as a performer. Mm. They they were older than me. They, they did it so well, um, but there probably was some constructive criticism I should have given them, but yeah. I I just didn't. So, and 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 that's the that's the trouble. Sometimes you get some people who are great directors but not great performers. Yeah. Um. And and vice versa. Yeah. Um. You get you get some people who, the they're great performers. Like they're brilliant on stage. Yeah. But they've, they've had a go at directing and yeah. they're like, you're struggling, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and really I think struggling. as well, when you... So I've been with the society for 12 years. Sometimes you're directing your, your mates. Mm-hmm. And if they're not doing some... Like, auditioning your mates is the hardest thing in the world. Because yeah, you've always imagine. got to phone. I always give audition feedback over the phone. I think yeah. they've taken time to practice it. Yeah. I'm going to phone and give it to them. Telling your best mate they've not got a part. Is it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking because it, it, you do see the disappointment and the heartbreak in their in their faces and stuff. Which and... is why I always record all auditions when I'm on a panel. Yeah. So if anyone needs to see feedback, I can talk them through their actual audition live and show them bits. And I also always have a member of the committee sitting on the panel to adjudicate it as such. If anyone ever made mm. a complaint to say you've cast for favouritism, 
I know I've got video evidence of how the person's performed and I've got someone who's been impartial. That's really good and it's really good. It's a really good way to protect yourself as well. If you know you're someone who's fair. Because, we, we, I mean, we're not stupid. We know in, in some societies it can be very political yeah. and you can't people want to kind of get in there and be part yeah. of the cliques and things like that we it it it, it happen it does happen it does happen yeah. we're not going to be naive and say it doesn't but it's also very refreshing to to see when people are not like that at all yeah. and they give everyone a shot and they give I, everyone a I, chance i've always cast for talent or always yeah you can either play the part or you the can't the best person has to get the part and the best person has to get the part alongside other people in that cast it has to work as a group you can't just cast the 10 best people but then they don't work together as, as a full yeah, cast exactly. and i've had so many people behind my back whinge about what i've done yeah. and it's the first thing i ever say when i start a rehearsal period is if you've got a problem with what i've done or i'm saying or i'm doing come to me come and say to me i want to keep the drama on stage not off stage exactly and if you've got something you need to share come to me, let's talk it through, we're all adults, let's keep it friendly, it's a hobby, we're not getting paid for this, It's let's let's just go for it. And, and has that worked for you um, so far? <laughs> I made a real point in my last show to, to say that several times, it was a lot less cliquey and problematic as than I've had in other shows, but I did still hear whinging, and mm. it's like, oh, she's cast her best mate again in that part, and it's like, I have talented mates mm, yeah. <laughs> who are just really good at what they do. And, <laughs> yeah, and then I can also, on the other hand, say, but I didn't cast my best mate in that role and I had to disappoint her or him. So uh, there's so much of it. And, and I get it. You try, you practice hard. You really want to part. You're disappointed. You say things. But you have to put your feet on the other shoes and think they're not doing it to spite you. They're not doing it. it you just weren't the best and, on the day. And, and you're there to do a job. And yeah. there's a time where you have to be, you have to be professional and put aside your feelings. Yeah. And, and, and that in a way, an amateur, an amateur society is kind of like the little brother of the professional world. Yeah. You, you, it's it's not it's not quite full blown professional, right. but there's elements of where you need to be professional during a show, during a um, rehearsal process, during auditions. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I understand uh, where but you're coming from. Top tips for an audition as a director who's now sat through hundreds of hundreds is know the part. I hate it when people come in and yeah, you don't have to be off book because often you've got loads to learn, but at least know where the scene's going at least have thought about what you want to do with it. Be confident, sell yourself. Don't try and get out of your head. Don't be embarrassed. The people that just go for it and show us what they can do are amazing. Yeah. And equally, if I give a bit of direction, don't fight it. Try and, because sometimes someone will do something and I can see that they've got potential. So I'll say, right, that was good. We'd like to just see you do it this way. I've then given parts to people based on how they react to that. Yeah. It's the people that then completely ignore it and go, no, my way's 10 times better. Yeah. Well, the, and at, at some point um, later on in, in other episodes, I do want to talk about auditions. Yeah. So, um, of course, like, feel free to send in your... I'll add your, some comments on your yeah. Facebook page. Or, or even um, send me an email. Um, What's the email address, The John? email is theatreworldnews at hotmail.com. Do not be afraid to email me. I will not. I will not kill you. I promise. And um, it'd be nice just to hear your hear your thoughts on on what you're thinking. Um, and yeah, that we will eventually cover auditions, and that would be quite fun because we can um, we can really dive into the the do's and don'ts etc for auditions. Um, but yeah, to, to to kind of finish finish off i'd like to just say to you uh do you have anything lined up that you may be directing in the near future or um, that you'd like to promote and send, <laughs> send our way i actually don't covid ruined it all um there's a cabaret coming up um but that'll be down in marlow at some point um that our society is actually trying to think of the next production but because yeah. so many tours and so many professional shows are moving around the amateur rights at the minute are just so up in the air yeah, we're very close yeah. to london so we get oh, of course, we get cut by course. what's in the west end so no if anyone's got suggestions pop them on john's <laughs> post <laughs> i will steal them and um 
pitch them to my society. Um, I'd love to do nine to five. I'm looking out for a local group doing that. So, yeah, that would be fun that'd be, that'd to be, be awesome. in. Actually. That'd be pretty awesome. And yeah, um, by all means, we have a Instagram. If you'd like to just uh, check out Theatre World News uh, on Instagram, and we have a secret commune, um, Theatre World News secret commune. It's not really a secret, but you know, I like to call it secret. And just follow that on um, Facebook. And of course, um, I've got the Patreon where you can um, you can sign up and get lots of um, free merchandise. And um, yeah, it'd be it'd be great to hear from you. And just feel free to email in. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's been good talking about um, directing. I I feel like I would be more confident to kind of step forward and and say yeah. Look, I'm, I'm going to give this a go. And just do it. Like, I did it with no experience and did Legally Blonde as my first show. But just go for it. Like, if you've got an idea and you've got passion, give it a try. Oh, brilliant. Is there any final thoughts that you'd like to um, end on, Mrs. Bustin? Oh, (laughs) any final thoughts? I think just everyone keep going. It's a difficult time. Let's all just keep supporting one another. Let's all just keep performing. I do karaoke in my kitchen pretty much every day just to keep <laughs> keep singing. So it's coming, everyone. We'll be back on stage in no time. Brilliant. And um, thank, yeah, thanks for, for um, joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mr. Blake. <laughs> <laughs> now, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please like, share, subscribe. Leave us your thoughts. It'll be great to hear from you. Also... If you are interested in being part of this show, do not hesitate to contact me on theatreworldnews at hotmail.com. And it's been great. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And remember, if you want to make the world a better place, start with the person standing in the mirror. I am your host, Jonathan Blake. It's been a pleasure to entertain you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode. Remember, we are we will be back. We will be back in those theatres and I love you all. Love you all, listeners. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye, mother... Bye-bye.